With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda Series. Joining you Monday to Friday, 9.30am UK time to talk through all the latest Arsenal news and react, of course, in this case, to yesterday's nil-nil draw at Anfield. The first guy, the first team to draw or rather hold a clean sheet at Anfield, I believe since 2019, um, when Bayern Munich may have done it. So... What a chip, what an achievement, what a performance, especially with 10 men for 70-odd minutes of the game as well. Yeah, let's skirt, skirt over the fact that, that Liverpool won their, their second leg in that one quite convincingly. But no, it was mm. a brilliant performance. I was talking with Bailey yesterday saying I predicted a, a 1-1 and I thought we could get a draw from the game. Uh, admittedly, I didn't expect Liverpool to be anywhere near as strong as they were. That was definitely mm. as full strength as they could go. But uh, a brilliant achievement for Arsenal. Um and just a brilliant way in which they kind of acquitted themselves and went about the job. Obviously, it was made so much harder with being down to 10 men for, what, 65 mm. minutes of the game or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the team deserves so much credit. And I think it's one of those of actually, are they beginning to learn the lessons? It's a young team and we've known this season. I wouldn't, I'm sort of hesitant to call it a transitional season, but definitely one for learning on the job for a number of the young players. And it feels as though some of those lessons, we saw it against Man City and we've seen it now at Anfield as well, that some of those lessons may well be beginning to be uh, taken on board. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, seeing Ben White at the end of the game, kind of really giving it to his teammates and kind of telling them this is this is what we're about, this is what we're going to do, this is, this is what we've got to fight for. And... I mean, what's interesting, obviously, with all of the attention very much still on top four this season, I, it was weird because it was like it felt a bit like a league game at times um, during the game, and kind of the idea that there was a second leg in a weird way was out kind of the window, and it was as if we were battling to try and get a point at Anfield, um, which is something we haven't done in, in a very very long time, of course. So, how do you feel like the team performed and reacted to, to like the fact that, as you said, Liverpool went with a very strong team? Everyone bar Mane and Salah started the game, which and I wonder what their team would have looked like last week if it wasn't for false positives. Less said about that, the better. Um, but in regards to kind of how we approached the game and dealt with it, it was just so resolute at times, wasn't it? I don't want to read too much into one game, but... Mm. Is it the start of that mentality shift that we've been waiting for at Arsenal for such a long time? As you say, it felt like that, the way in which they were able to dig in. And and let's not let's not beat around the bush. We're 22% of the ball. We sat in, we frustrated, and it was at times ugly. But equally, mm. whilst not having the ball, we controlled the game so well. The, other than the Minamino putting the ball over the top of the bar and Nico Williams, I think it was in stoppage time, having that effort blocked on the line by Ben White. We weren't opened up. There weren't opportunities galore, which when we've been to Anfield over, what, the last five, six years, we've been torn limb from limb. I think actually last year's <clears throat> League Cup visit there when we drew 0-0 and won on penalties was the only time since Jurgen Klopp's been at Liverpool we haven't mm. conceded three goals at least at Anfield. So 
yeah, it was a League Cup game. But I think, really, as you say there, we treated it like a league game. We went as strong as we could, albeit our team was completely ripped apart by injuries, COVID and, and players away, obviously, at the Africa Cup of Nations. But the mentality that was seen, as you say, personified by Ben White, I think he and Gabriel being that, that centre-half partnership is is unrivaled now in, at Arsenal, in my opinion, mm. and is, is the partnership. It, it gives me flashbacks to... Kind of the the Murtasaka-Koscielny partnership that dragged us into the Champions League for consecutive seasons, where when they were both fit and available, you played them together and you built the team around them, and actually it gave a bit of stability to the team. And I think, albeit maybe individually, Ben White's probably a better player than than Per Murtasaka was, albeit was a great servant for Arsenal. I think we've got the making there of a solid partnership that can take Arsenal to the levels that we want to get to. And it's now, and we're going to come on to it, about that midfield that is a huge problem area, but was already creaking before last night. Yeah, I think that what this Arsenal team, as you say, has needed for a long time is stability um, and a foundation that the, the team can build on. We know who's going to start in the back five, including the goalkeeper, every single week when they're fit. Tommy Asu falls out, Cedric comes in, which I thought was probably the mistake at the start of the team, and maybe... Uh, we were, I know a false positive of the game was the fact that he went out, Chambers came in and uh, and did really, really well in that kind of defensively, he did really well. Offensively, you're never going to get the same kind of output from Chambers as you will from other fullbacks. But defensively, he was he remained solid throughout the game and dealt with kind of Minamino on that side and, and Jota as well when needed to really, really well. So you've now got a team with a, with a foundation. You've got a team with a consistent starting lineup when everyone's fit. But the problem is, guys, that not everyone is fit and not everyone is available. And when you have the numbers that you do in midfield and Granit Xhaka decides to do what he does and now you lose him for at least, I think, three games because of the, his second red card of the season means that he'll have an additional uh, suspension onto his uh, current suspension as well. So firstly on Xhaka, I, I see people kind of saying that it, he had to make he had to make a decision in that moment because of where Jota was on the pitch and because of how good the ball was. I think that if the red's given for dangerous play and serious foul play, then fair enough. However, I do still think, as I said last night, there's an argument that with the heavy touch that Jota took, Ramsdale collects that ball quite easily, and it's not the denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity. But Xhaka gives the referee the decision, and when Xhaka tends to do that, that's when it's the problem. That's my problem with Jacka is too often he gives the referee the chance to send him off. I thought it was I thought it was as clear red card as as you could see. Flip it the other way round. If that was a ball over the top, Saka controls yeah, yeah. it and he's wiped out. We're all calling for a red. So I, I think if it was inside the box, wouldn't be given though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it would not. Uh, I think I think inside the box, the double jeopardy thing may well. Personally, I thought he was dangerous play anyway. Nearly took the guy's head off. Um, reminiscent almost of, of Nigel De Jong in the World Cup final in 2010 <laughs> but uh, it, it it was a it was horrendous it was a poor challenge and it was it was poor decision making which is what it comes back to time and time again with Granite Xhaka but equally as you say Jota's touch now he didn't need to give up on the run match the run of Diogo Jota but much like when a ball comes in from a corner and a defender knows they're not going to get there but they jump to put the player off Run into, run towards him, run into him, keep matching the run. But don't throw yourself at him like that because the thing with Jota was he anticipated the contact, knew he didn't need to get a crisp touch because he was going to get wiped out anyway. He was already bracing himself mm. for the contact. So 
that for me was where it was at, was Jota still had a lot to do. So make him make the touch, but try and put him off a bit. Don't, don't, no, you don't need to push him or anything like that, but try and get your body in the way or whatever it is you need to do. I'm not a professional footballer, so it's, it's rich of me to, to sit here and, and start criticising a, a professional. But as you said, with the referee and, and just actually making the challenge, it's the decision-making time and mm. time again with Granite Xhaka that we come back to. And he put his team in a, a compromised position. Thankfully, they got they got through it. But you wonder what someone like Eddie Nketiah is thinking. The rest of Arsenal absolutely bouncing off the back of that result. You saw his reaction coming off. Now, that mm. wasn't Mikel Arteta's fault for bringing him off and hauling him off early, like with Nuno Tavares at, at Nottingham Forest. That was purely down to the fact that Arsenal were down to 10 and couldn't keep two strikers on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the frustration of the time and time again scenario of this, that it's not a case of... And he's, I mean, he's 29-30 now. He's not going to change his ways. This is what you have. It's not a young player that you can mould and and teach. This is always ingrained in his style of playing, his personality. And I, I was speaking about this morning saying he's he's like when you play six aside against bad losers. And if you take it round him or, you know, when you're able to beat a man or you're winning... And you just start getting kicked by the opposition team. That's the kind of personality that he has. But he, he does it at nil-nil. <laughs> yeah, he does it at nil-nil uh, in, a, in a game against Liverpool at Anfield. But uh, that kind of brings us on to the transfer conversation, Guy, around what Arsenal needs to do now. Because we've got Spurs on Sunday. It's unlikely that any player can be registered. In fact, I'm still awaiting kind of confirmation about this registration thing. Do you, yeah. from your perspective, is the deadline passed because today yeah. is the first match day of the weekend? Yeah, from what I understand, the ruling is now, now generally it is the Friday because most games are Saturday. Mm. But this week, with there being Friday night football, Crystal Palace against Brighton, those interested in watching it, the Premier League rules state that the registration window is midday, the day before the game week starts. Right. So with a Friday night game, it's 12 o'clock on Thursday. So by the time we'd kicked off at Anfield. Now, I don't know if, for example, Miguel Aziz getting recalled, mm. the fact that Arsenal hold his registration but then send him on loan, when he comes back automatically, he will be registered as an Arsenal player. If that is fine and he would be available, I imagine that would be the reason why they activated that so quickly. And it, the, the news was coming out during the game last night. I, I wouldn't have clarity on that. But regards to new signing, yeah, we've, we've missed the deadline for, for bringing someone in for the derby. And I personally think the game would be a huge doubt. There's been precedent set already, regardless of Liverpool's false positives in the EFL. That's a different governing body. But, for example, mm. Newcastle's game with Southampton just before the opening of the, the January transfer window, that was quite suspicious in the fact they called that off. And that largely seemed to be due to a few injuries as well as a couple of COVID cases. Whereas it feels as though a lot of teams have been exploiting the fact that there's been a bit of COVID in the camp, but they've got injuries and suspensions to then call games off. Um, mm. You've got to think before this whole pandemic, if teams were doing this kind of thing, it would have been laughable and people would have said, no, you, you can't operate in that manner. Mikel Arteta has, has stuck to his gun saying, we want to play matches. But when you look at the squad we've now got available, we went into that game with 15 available first team players. There were players on the bench yesterday who were there for probably the first or second time in a matchday squad. Yeah. And now we've got an away North London derby in the Premier League, a game that arguably could define the season for Arsenal with Tottenham are to, to get three points and obviously have games in hand as well, as much as I can't even bear thinking about that. Um, it, yeah, I, I think that game would have to be 
in, in, in jeopardy. But equally, um, I'm sure Mikel Arteta does want to get it played. But you have to wonder who else is going to be called up and the, the, the fingers are going to come out in terms of guessing and calculating how many players we've got. Yeah, I think that the obviously Arsenal are trying to, to, to do their best to try and bring someone in now. It's too late for me. Um, we knew that the AFCON was coming and we've known it for a long time. We have allowed Ainsley Maitland-Niles to leave naively um, as well and it, rather ignorant of the situation that we find ourselves in, especially ignorant of not just the AFCON but of the pandemic and how quickly it can claim so many of your players and injuries. That it, It's stunning that they, they allowed that to, to leave before we kind of brought in our own replacement. It does seem like the Juventus' is Artur Mello is the guy that we're looking to bring in. Uh, I've not spoken to you about him, Guy. How do you kind of feel about that as an option that Arsenal are going for? Yeah, he, he seems to be the kind of guy who obviously he's got the calibre and he's at a stage of his career where a lot of the, the summer recruitment obviously focused on, focused on 23, 24s and unders. He's 25, he's, he's been at Barcelona, he's been at Juventus. He's obviously got a calibre to him that suggests the direction of travel Arsenal now want to go in the window. I think it's going to be a far harder deal to wrap up than, than, than what it seems likely. The, the mm. noises you hear out of Italy is Juventus are desperate for a permanent deal. I think we don't want to do that. I was speaking with Bailey yesterday saying it seems to me like we freed up a lot of wages. Are we looking to get a loan option in in the midfield? And then we all know, obviously, who's target number one up top and are we going to press hard for that now and say to him if you're so desperate to be in the Champions League come and join a team already in fourth and be the man to fire them into it so I don't know mm. it's it's really interesting but when you think ahead of going into the summer window for me centre midfield was the biggest problem area for I was I was excited with Sambi Lakonga coming in and thought that's a good prospect but we needed another option in there as well, albeit much malign and frustrating at times. But Danny Ceballos was always a reliable option for us as a even third or fourth choice, eventually central midfield player, which now we just don't have that depth whatsoever. Mm. And we're in that position. I mean, Mohamed El Neni's gone away to AFCON. Yeah, everyone, it's the biggest open secret going. He's leaving Arsenal at the end of this season. And if not, there was talk he was going to leave in January. Sorry about the dog. That's all right. <laughs> I was thinking, I, I don't have a dog. Hold on a second. <laughs> I think that when regarding kind of where we need to move, the next question will also be around, do we need to bring someone else in on top of our tour because we're finding ourselves so thin? We don't want to be in a situation where we're relying on, you know, Sambi Lakonga always because... He's coming to his first season, Samuel Lukonga, and I think we've seen the last kind of few games that he's played, Nottingham Forest, now Liverpool, that he is without consistent game time, which is never guaranteed at Arsenal. He is struggling to come in cold. He's struggling to come in after the back of kind of a few games out of the limelight. And we don't need to be in a situation where we are reliant upon these players that have risks associated with them. So when it comes to adding players, Artur, for me, is the first of what should be at least two during this window. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, uh, and I think it, it goes back to Granite Jack letting Arsenal down. This is the one time we needed him, put three games together for us. And I get he was coming back from COVID and you physically, physically aren't able to judge, actually, if he would have been able to manage it. But it is one of those where you are kind of scratching your head thinking, we've come into this window. We've said to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, be patient, be patient, be patient. Your time will come in midfield. Now this is the time whilst those players go away. And within, what, the first 10 days of the window, we've sanctioned him on a loan move away. Now, unless we had someone ready to come straight back in mm. to, 
to add to the numbers, then yeah, it, it should have been delayed. Um, it's it, it's all about like principle with Arteta, isn't it? And obviously the principle being off the back of the transfer deadline day and the the fiasco that happened with the Everton situation. Arteta's clearly said to Maitland Niles, "Yeah, when that window reopens, we'll get you back out." And he's given him his word, and therefore he's stuck to it. But it's left him in a compromised position of what we can do. We saw Charlie Patino at Forest, clearly not ready. Lukonga's not even ready. But as you say, he needs to be bedded into it. But now he's the first choice option in that midfield. I think Artur has to be one option. I mean, I've been hesitant to, to, to think and say about it, but mm. Jack Wilshere, is it is it time where you go, right, needs must. But then that's Arteta again, going back on what he's previously said, which you can't see him doing. But how all of a sudden have Arsenal gone from needing at least one midfield player, in my opinion, in this window and potentially a centre-forward, now desperately to be running round for the second half of the window for two midfielders, and mm. we still want to complete the steal for a striker. Yeah, uh, Vinny asking, guys, something happened between the Watford game and, and him going out of the team. He played really well and then dropped out of everything regarding Sammy Lukonga. I think his last game that he started in the league was Newcastle. Uh, sorry, Maitland-Niles. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm getting yeah. confused between the player. Right. Maitland-Niles, Watford, Sambi Lukonga, Newcastle. But both yeah. of them, interesting, both of them linked between each other. Like, Maitland-Niles played that great game against Watford and then Sambi Lukonga played that get great game against Newcastle and Aston Villa and Brighton as well and then was dropped for Granit Xhaka, who came in. And kind of obviously the biggest, um, the biggest plus of the biggest negative, I suppose, actually, of Arteta is that sometimes he can be a little bit too loyal to certain players in his team. And I don't think Granit Xhaka deserved to come into that game against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Lukonga deserved to keep his place and didn't. The same thing with Maitland-Niles. I feel like Maitland-Niles deserved to keep his place. Go on. Yeah, I don't know. I, th I think I think Maitland-Niles can feel hard done by. For me, with Lukonga, I mean, the Palace game sticks in my mind. And, I mean, at Forest, I, I think I'm right in saying it was here weeks past in the midfield today. It was, yeah. yeah. But I do yeah. think that the, the Forest game came after that period that he was out. The, the Palace yeah, no, game, I, he made that error. And yeah. then after the Palace game was one of his best games in an Arsenal shirt yeah. against Aston Villa. So, No, I agree. What I'm saying is he's a young player and he is going to make mistakes. So we can't be, we can't be reliant. And I think at Anfield, he was overawed in the league game and completely out of his depth. And I think going to Old Trafford, I do mm. understand the mentality shift from Arteta of being right. We go with senior heads here. And I think Granite Jacker in that North London derby was brilliant when we when we sort of swatted Spurs aside. And that was when he picked up his injury. I think that came at a, a poor, poor time for him. I think he was just beginning to show some of the best form maybe of his Arsenal career and actually maybe showing all of us what Arteta and Unai Emery and Arsene Wenger have clearly seen on the training ground ever since he's been at Arsenal because he constantly is picked and trusted when the mm. evidence suggests he shouldn't be. But I think Maitland-Niles is the one who's hard done by after that Watford game. As you say, going to Old Trafford, I would have said he could have been the guy maybe who could to have To be played. fair, Daniel um, pointing out that it was Elneny and Partey that played at Old Trafford. Xhaka came in for the Everton game. So oh, yeah, Elneny, Elneny, yeah, Elneny did play. Yeah. yeah, Elneny did play. Yeah, that's right. Um which I remember. I mean, then I think there's a more solid argument to say that Lukonga should have continued over someone like Elneny. I know that Elneny was there, Old Trafford in 20, was it 2020, where you had a really good game yeah. with Partey. But yeah. even then, I do feel like Lukonga should have been continued on into that game over I someone was, like I think, it was, I think it was the seniority factor. And, and yeah, yeah it absolutely was that. Yeah. At the time. Um, but equally, that's where I then think Maitland Niles is actually maybe the guy who's hard done by because what is Maitland Niles off the top of my head? 23, 24 now. Um, He's been around. He's played Premier League football. He, he played in that Watford game and the rest of the team weren't great in that. He kind of hauled us over the line. 
and yet then seems to have just been bombed ever since. Um, so, yeah, it's, as I say, it's a, it's an awful and tricky situation. And the other thing that it forces is not only do we need reinforcements, we need these guys to come straight in and hit the ground running. It's not a case mm. of saying, oh, yeah, get yourselves up to speed. If we're bringing in players like Artur, for example, hasn't really been kicking a ball that much for Juventus, all of a sudden we're going to be saying, right, 90 minutes midweek, 90 minutes at a weekend, keep going, mate. One of the big concerns I've got now is with this focus switching very much to the midfield in terms of the transfer window is how this will detract from the focus that we have to try and sign the striker. Because even though um, we've got this situation where midfield is proving in the short term to be very, very, it's a much needed area of strengthening, in the long term, across the whole season, for me, striker is still remaining more important because we're a Lacazette injury away from disaster at this point. Whereas in midfield, we've got Elneny and Partey back by uh, the 6th of February when the AFCON finishes. So you'd hope by the Wolves game on the 10th, they'd both be available. It's a frustration that this kind of attention is being now pushed onto the midfield when we really could have been going hell for leather to try and get Dusan Vlaovic into the team. Yeah, as I say, I think it's a, it's a silly situation we found ourselves in all round. Um because I think Maitland now stays and we say, right, we need at least one more midfielder. As I say, we freed up a lot of wages. I mean, even if the likes of Pablo Marie and Saeed Kolasinac move out as well, whether it's on loan or permanent deals, frees up more wages, get a short-term option in in the midfield. And then if mm. it's Yuri Tielemans or whoever, go big for a central midfield player in the summer. If not, again, if not two, that would have been my, my thinking, uh, would have been still two central midfield players and, and tie the striker up. That, that's, that's the long and short of it is... Currently, this Arsenal team needs two midfielders and a centre-forward. By the summer, we might need two centre-midfielders and two centre-forwards because, obviously, if Lacazette doesn't stay, yeah. then we're, we're in that position. But as you say, we are a Lacazette injury away from a, a very, very awesome. compromised position where <laughs> we fought so hard from adversity of the first three games of the season to get mm -hmm. to fourth on New Year's Day, to put in that performance against Manchester City. You look at our fixture list, actually second half of the season, is quite favourable. You think of somewhere that, that could well have been difficult to go to in Ellen Road. We've been there, we've won. We've been to Burnley, that's not always been the greatest place for us to go. And we've got a win there. We've got them to come at home now. We've got Everton to come after losing at Goodison. We've got Brentford to come at the Emirates after losing at the Brentford Community Stadium. We've Manchester United, we've Liverpool. They all come to, uh, come to the Emirates now in the second half of the season, where actually mm. you would feel, and I feel personally, I know we've not played Wolves at all yet this season, that yeah. actually we can get more points than we got in the first half of the season in the second. And by just basic maths of that, if you say, if we doubled it and did it, we know we've qualified guys, what you said. No, we've, no, we've not, but this is what I mean is we fought so yeah. hard to get back in that position that yeah. we could have done it. But now all of a sudden our squad planning and preparation mm. has left us in a real compromised position of actually you're thinking, are we going to be able to match our output of the first half of the season when really all we were excited about was doing that and, and potentially getting back in the Champions League. But we've still got to say, though, start of the season, opening day, if you'd said we'll finish sixth, most of us would have taken it. So mm, European yeah. football is the aim, but it's the hope that gets you. You say opening day of the season after the first three games of the season, I think we've been crying out and saying sixth is a pipe dream right now. <laughs> three games in, three losses. So, look, it's 
we're in a situation now where we're halfway through the window. We've not yet anyone brought anyone in. We've recalled, obviously, Miguel Aziz to provide a bit of depth. But let's be real, he's not been able to get too many minutes for Portsmouth. I know that that's situational. But at the same time, <laughs> that alone is not enough. And I don't think even he alone on top of our tour is enough to cover the midfield for the rest of the season with, with COVID and with injuries and everything else that happens. So we need to ensure that we cover ourselves. If it means bringing in another loan, I don't I don't see why not going for someone like a Genie Vijnaldum for a six-month loan wouldn't make, you know, it would make a lot of sense in my mind to do something like that um, or any other kind of central midfielder. There are other midfielders out there that could be available for a six-month loan deal for Arsenal to bring in just to add that little bit of additional quality. Artur, I'm very happy about. I think he's a good player. I've got a piece coming out on London a little bit later on talking about his comparison to Bruno Gimoraes because a lot of Arsenal fans desperately wanted to see Bruno Gimoraes brought in, but actually there's quite a few metrics that you look at, especially defensively, where Artur comes out very favourably against the Lyon man. So do keep your eyes out for that. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Tom Cantor Media and you make sure to follow uh, Football London to keep up to date of all those pieces that will be going out. Um, just lastly, Guy, North London derby on Sunday. Obviously, this is our Friday show. We're not going to have another Arsenal agenda before then. One, how are you feeling about it? And two, now we kind of know who we're going to have to pick from, kind of. Maybe Smith Rowe will be back. Hopefully, Tommy Asu will be back. How are you setting the team up? Are you going to stick with kind of the back five scenario that was so resolute at Anfield? Or do you think we need to be more you know, expressive and try and gun for a Spurs side that are going to be without humans on? No, I think I think we we stick with what we we've, we've been doing this season. I think it was needs much yesterday to go to the back five. We were we were down to ten men, and as I say, we had to be resolute. And we had to do what we did, and uh, I think it'd be remiss actually before we move on from the Liverpool game not to mm. applaud the fans who were there at Anfield last night. I thought they were absolutely, oh, absolutely. fantastic, and when when Jack was sent off, they became the the extra man that Arsenal needed and second half just just to help carry them over the line so I thought they were fantastic and um, in terms of the team yeah I mean you, you're going Ramsdale in goal back four as is if Tommy Asu can, can come back in White Gabriel mm -hmm. and, and Tierney midfield <laughs> <laughs> there is. Uh, do you I put remember... Chambers in there as an option Chambers and Lokonga, or do you bring oh, Aziz into things? Fulham. Yeah, Ch Chambers yeah he did. Player of the season yeah. for a defensive midfield for Fulham. Yeah, and actually I thought Rob Holding, the name suggests, actually last night did quite a good hybrid job of Sweeper, playing defensive bro. midfield. And yeah, yeah, he was stepping up, wasn't he? And uh, he helping was, out yeah. Lokonga. Um, yeah, maybe. I didn't even consider Chambers. Um, yeah, potentially it's, it's Chambers and, and Lokonga in the midfield. Um which I think if there's one area where Spurs haven't been great, it is their midfield. I think Erdegaard will be a huge miss um, should he be still out of this one. He's, I believe he's isolating. He's one of those who's... Uh, who's yeah, COVID. Erdegaard um, will be out of uh, isolating Smith. Yeah, I think, we don't I think know. his pressing up against uh, a skip or a Winks sitting in that deep role would have been really key for us. Um, so I think whoever plays 10, if it is Smith Rowe, it's, it's likely to be, that's going to have to be his remit for the day. Um, yeah, try and get forward and do what you can, but it's, it's going to be a big defensive shift as well. Um, Saka, we don't know how he is. Obviously, came off with what seemed a, a stomach problem. Just, I think that was just complete exhaustion. Ran himself into the ground. Yeah. Hopefully, he's good to go again. Martinelli on the left and, and Lacazette up top. Then you look at the bench and you say, well, who, who are the guys who are going to add the extra juice later on in the piece? And mm. I'm struggling. Other than Tavares coming on to replace Martinelli at some point, I don't really know. Mm. Yeah, I think that for me, I am tempted to say 
back three um, only because I feel like you don't have to go with the same back three we had last night. You could bring Tierney into kind of that left centre back role. You could put Tavares at left wing back to give you a bit of, you know, out and running for, from that left flank to support Martinelli. Is Tavares um, though in the, is he maybe in the right headspace after his performance at Forest? I mean, he came on yesterday. Like he, yeah, he was no, going he did, back he did, in. But I think you think, you think of the, the game at Anfield as well. Some of the big away occasions, and I'm not saying Forest is a big away occasion, yeah. but after being dragged off and then having this such a big game. Um, yeah, but it would be in a different role, in more of kind yeah, of an true. offensive wing-back role. And I do think that, look, the one thing I've got from this Arteta team is that it's a side that loves to prove themselves. And I think that Tavares, even after being dragged off against Forest. Will not would have obviously sulked and been down on on that evening, but I I have a, like from knowing Arteta and the fact that he's one of Arteta's signings as well, he would have been straight into him after the game saying this is what you need to do. Like it, it wasn't acceptable what you were how you were playing, but now it's time to turn things around, prove prove yourself in this club. And if we do play him, then I'm very happy to see him play as well. Uh, I would go with Chambers and Lakonga in kind of a two it, it, with that back three, and then uh, Tommy Asu if he's fit as a wing back role because he could be. Quite quite, you know, defensive-minded Tavares could push up and then you could shift Tinney over to a back four in it when we're on the offensive move. Uh, forward line, if Smith Rowe's fit, he plays. Martinelli, of course. Although I was saying that, I would be tempted, if you're going with kind of the five and then two in midfield and three up top, I'd be tempted to bench one of Martinelli and Saka because they both of them were shattered at the end of the Liverpool game. Yeah. Bring Smith Rowe into a wide position who's, you know, rested and would be more available. And then you can bring in one of Martinelli or Saka off the bench later in the game for a bit of impact or to change the shape or however you want to do it. Lacazette stays up top for me. The bench is going to be filled with kids. It's going to be loads of kids on the I bench. I actually think Sunday. my team, I might not rush Smith Rowe back in. Because really? of the issues there with with Martinelli and Saka, and the fact that it's an injury with him, it's not been isolation. It's not maybe that he's in a position to just come straight back in. I yeah. would bench Smith Rowe. I would I would I would go with the team of effectively as close to what we started with last night as possible. Maybe as I say, Chambers in that midfield with Lokonga, um, Lacazette in the ten, and and Eddie up top, um, and then you've got yeah. Smith Rowe ready to to come on and uh, and see what he can do. Absolutely. Um, Vinny says, Tom, they're 20-year-olds. They can play four days later. <laughs> I mean, three days later. I only got two days of recovery. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things happen. Uh, 290 of you watching, just nearly close to 50 likes. Do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already, people. Continue to show your support as we try and reach 8,000 subs before the end of the January transfer window. That's going to be our target, fingers crossed. We're going to wrap things up there. Sorry we haven't had to go through many of your comments today. We went through quite a lot of them yesterday evening after the game. We had a lot to get through. Uh, there'll obviously be content coming out. Do we know when Arteta's press conference is going? Uh, he's, he's not, I don't think he's doing a, a formal press conference, but there will right. be something distributed that hopefully by this evening we will have. Obviously, there is last night's press conference and we'll have plenty more to, to come across the channel. Absolutely. And after the game, of course, on Sunday, I'm on with Hush, I think. So me and him will be doing the reaction show after the North London Derby, fingers crossed. It's a more positive one to talk about. But thank you so many of you guys for tuning in the chat box, wherever you happen to be. Drop a like, subscribe. Guy, thank you so much, mate, as always, for coming on. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Tom. Lovely stuff. We will see you after the Spurs game and you'll be sure to find plenty of content on the channel throughout the weekend leading up to the derby, I'm sure, as well. See you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal and follow us down the Arsenal way.